Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his land. But Moses spoke to the Lord, The Israelites have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me, poor speaker that I am? Thus the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, and gave them orders regarding the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, charging them to free the Israelites from the land of Egypt. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer, for God thought, if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of the land of Egypt prepared for battle. And Moses took with him the bones of Joseph, who had required a solemn oath of the Israelites, saying, God will surely take notice of you, and then you must carry my bones with you from here. They set out from Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, so that they might travel by day and by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses again, See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that I swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their descendants after them. The Spirit of our God is upon us, because the Most High has anointed us to bring good news to those who are poor, to proclaim release to those held captive, to cast vision for those who want to perceive God's new thing, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the liberator's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonah, my pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm one of the pastors here at Zhao MKE Church. I am thrilled this morning um, to introduce our guest preacher, uh, the Reverend Dr. Jay Williams. Uh, Jay is a frequent collaborator of mine and Cameron's in our work, our unceasing work for justice uh, in the United Methodist Church, and we have been collaborating in many and various ways uh, to build the church into a new kind of being, a living space that has freedom and liberation for all God's people, where we are in solidarity with one another and where we work towards the common goal of grace and love. As Jay likes to say, where we are loved into freedom by God and one another. It is an absolute honor to have Jay come speak truth into our community, and I hope you will all offer Jay a warm welcome as he shares his experience of that liberating love and the way that Jesus liberates even the Bible itself. So without further ado, welcome Jay. Although I have neither been to Milwaukee, nor have I attended Zao MKE, I feel very much connected to you. 
to your faith community, to this Jesus-rooted, justice-centered, and radically inclusive church. I feel connected because I am so truly honored to call your pastors, Reverend Jonah and Pastor Cameron, friends of mine. Over the past two years, we have become comrades. Comrades in the struggle for liberation within the United Methodist Church. So it is good to be with you this morning because it is good to live, to breathe, to be among the living. I'm deeply grateful for this invitation to join you for worship today. And in some ways, Zhao and my congregation, Union Church Boston, we're, we're siblings who stand together in radical solidarity as we in our own places, collectively, a work towards that vision of unconditional love and compassionate service and intersectional justice. So I give thanks and let us pray. Oh, gracious and loving God, giver of all good and perfect things, we thank you and bless you for this day, which you have given to us as a gift. And now God speak through me, even in spite of me and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable, O God, our rock and our redeemer. It is in the matchless name of Jesus the Christ that we pray. Let the people of God say, amen. So beloved, there was a song that I learned back in my hometown of Buffalo, New York. At Metropolitan United Methodist Church in Buffalo, 657 Best Street, the corner of Herman, just off the 33 Expressway. It was a little round church. And in this church, there were church mothers. My granny, Mother Baz, Mother Bragg, Mother Gabriel, Mother Wynn. And Mother Williamson, uh, she taught me in vacation Bible school. She taught me and the other kids that song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. And the Bible tells me so. Thirty years later, I still very much cling to this sacred truth. It is truth written in sacred text thousands of years ago, and now it is written upon the tablets of my heart. And I sing it, this song of freedom, this redemption song, that Jesus loves me and the fullness of my queer self, every part of me. And Jesus loves you, each and every one of you, every part of you. And the Bible tells us so. Yes, it is written in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 15, in the words of Jesus, that, that God has loved me, says Jesus, so have I loved you. Abide in my love, and if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept God's commandments and abide in God's love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be complete, says Jesus, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No greater love is there than this. For God so loved the world, it also says in John, 
that 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 God gave God's only son, that whoever believes in the Christ should not perish, but have everlasting life. But here's the rub, beloved. Even though there are, are clear and, and plain declarations written in ink and not in pencil in the Bible, uh, there have been, there has been a long and steady attempt to erase God's love for all people and to pen in its place hatred. Although it is written that whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and, and where the spirit of God is, there is liberty, there has also been a biblical culture that tries to hold us captive, a culture that has done violence against us, that has harmed us and enslaved us. Through commandments and proclamations and doctrines and dogmas and thus saith the Lord, our, our bodies have been disciplined and controlled and condemned. Yes, the Bible has been used to spew much hatred and to attack our, our humanity. We know these lies told about us far too well. Lies that say, women, be silent in church and society. You're to be seen and not heard. Lies that say, gay people, queer people, trans folk are abominations, not created in the image of God. Lies that say, if you are poor, then it's your fault and you don't have God's favor. Lies that, that some people are, are born born to be property, to, born to be slaves, born to be enchained. Yet, yet some texts in the Bible have been read out of their context and have been falsely applied in ways that have done significant harm to us, to uh, those created, all of us in the very image of God, done damage to the body of Christ. Lies just like the 4th of July. Although Freedom Day is, is Juneteenth for me, uh, America's so-called Independence Day has been lingering in my reflection, in my spirit uh, these last few weeks. The former enslaved person turned abolitionist Frederick Douglass, who famously wrote, What to the Slave is the 4th of July? asked an important question about the Bible when it has been used like the 4th of July to, to tell untruths about us. Frederick Douglass writes, what do we do in such a case? What do you do when you are told by slaveholders of America that the Bible sanctions slavery? Do you go and throw your Bible into the fire? Do you sing out no union with the Bible? Do you declare that a thing is bad because it has been misused and abused and made a bad use of? Do you throw it away on that account? No, you press it into your bosom all the more closely, says Douglas. You read it all the more diligently and you prove from its pages that it is on the side of liberty and not on the side of slavery. So that's the project. That's the project that I am involved in this month at, at my church union in our Bible 101 series, sermon series. And yes, it's the work that I am collaborating with Reverend Jonah and Pastor Cameron, the work of liberty, the work of liberation. So please allow me for a few moments to offer this message on liberating the Bible. 
a radical reimagination of scripture as a story of liberation, as a song of freedom, maybe even a redemption song, to borrow from Bob Marley. So now on today, as we gather on this morning, not, not too far from Independence Day, and we gather with Douglas's words about proving the Bible is on the side of liberty in our mind's eye. And as we gather, I invite us into this process of freeing ourselves, of emancipating our, ourselves from mental and spiritual and emotional slavery and captivity to death-dealing and destructive ways and to see differently. I, I wonder, what if? Independence Day is more than a weekend and, and, and more like a year or, or even better yet, uh, more like a lifetime. A lifestyle, a, a way of being in the world. And what if we started reading differently? What if we allowed ourselves to, to listen and to experience the power of the still speaking God? So today we approach that Bible, our Bible, our sacred story, as a story of liberation, a song of freedom that, that, that proclaims with a clarion voice that, that God loves us into freedom. And God grants us, all of us, the promise of human flourishing. Yes, beloved, I, I believe that the Bible, I truly believe the Bible is a story of liberation, a story with many chapters, yes, a story with three main characters, God, Moses, and Jesus, that, that unfolds this, this, this grand narrative of liberation, that, that the Bible, it, it glimpses what God is speaking and, 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 and beckoning to us, this God who loves us into freedom. The Bible narrative with its 66 books and its two testaments and hundreds of pages, tens of thousands of words, I believe can be summarized, though, into this claim that God loves me into freedom. And, and one of the Bible's most central claims, stories, is of Moses, let my people go. Right, The story has been used as a source of inspiration for many a freedom movement including the anti-slavery abolition movement in the United States. Mother Harriet Tubman was described as Black Moses. So the, the central example of liberation, this liberation story of, of the exodus of the Israelites from Egyptian captivity, I believe is extraordinarily powerful on the one hand, but also deeply problematic on the other, that Exodus from Egypt depends upon, as recorded in the original biblical narrative, the, the Exodus of the Israelites from Egyptian captivity depends upon, is predicated on the occupation of the land of Canaan. The promised land of Canaan belongs, though, to someone else already. Much like the American story in the biblical exodus, we encountered then an Independence Day, a, a Fourth of July that emerges from colonialism. Right? We, we heard these words from the scripture reading a little bit earlier when it is written, uh, see, and in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8, see, I have set before you the land 
Go in and take possession of the land that I swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their descendants after them. Right, beloved, when, when you do not read the Bible, when we do not read the Bible critically, then biblical liberation actually depends upon someone else's subjugation. That this original liberation narrative is, is grounded in conquest and destruction and manifest destiny. Uh, allow me to make it plain in today's terms. When the U.S. president goes uninvited to South Dakota, which is land stolen from the Great Sioux Nation, in order to celebrate the 4th of July, then we have yet another problem, another problematic rendering of history that is even more painful if we leave it uninterrogated. You see, so-called Mount Rushmore is carved out of the sacred Black Hills of the Great Sioux people. It's First Nation land that was systematically taken, stolen by the United States government after gold was discovered in the area in the 1870s. Right, so in this epic act of erasure and desecration, the graven images of four presidents were carved into one of the sacred mountains of the holy Dakota people, a people who have yet to receive just compensation for their stolen land, as the Supreme Court ruled in 1980. So here's the, the sermonic point, the, the, the point for this message, Independence Day and, and 45 visit to Dakota land to Mount Rushmore actually is a redramatizing of the same old destructive story of conquest and colonialism and control that is in many ways found in and rooted in biblical narrative. There is a great similarity between what happened in the so-called promised land of the Bible and the so-called American frontier. Right, but there were people in the promised land of Canaan and, and in Dakota land long before it was discovered by explorers and scouts. I'm grateful to First Nation theologians like Vine Deloria, who wrote a Native American perspective on liberation. I'm grateful to First Nation theologians like Andrea Smith, who wrote a Walking in Balance, the spirituality liberation practice of praxis of Native women. I'm, I'm grateful to First Nation theologians like Robert Allen Warrior, who wrote Canaanites, Cowboys, and Indians. Because these First Nation theologians have helped to expand my mind and, and, and helped us all to unpack the complexity of false teachings that, that our, our Bible uh, could present uh, when left uninterrogated. Help me to, to challenge the complexity of, of not reading the Bible with critical and keen eyes that are focused towards the truth of liberation. So when we do not carefully criticize these founding myths and narratives of our country, 
and our Christian story, then we dangerously, however unconsciously, we baptize thinly veiled attempts to hold us captive to lies and false narratives to untruths. You see, I would argue that an upside-down misreading of the Bible actually paves the way for a would-be dictator to stand in front of a church holding the Bible upside down as he tear-gassed those seeking freedom. See, it's liberating the Bible means that we must read it right side up, and, and, and we must read both the text and its context with new eyes, with fresh eyes. That a, a liberation reading of the Bible, a queer reading of the Bible, it allows us to see the complexity of the Exodus narrative, which is both very powerful and very, very problematic. We're able then to interrogate uh, the fact that the Exodus liberation narrative is based on colonialization and the occupation of land that already belonged to someone else. Right? Liberation looks good unless you're the Canaanites. For the Canaanites, the liberation of the Israelites from Egyptian captivity means conquest. And there's no liberation for the First Nation people of Canaan. So here's my, my point, beloved. The, the Bible's first movement to freedom doesn't go far enough. The Bible's first rendering, first draft of the liberation narrative that's recorded in Exodus, it, it, it does not go far enough. But Jesus takes a bit, us a bit farther farther in that journey towards freedom and human flourishing. And in fact, Jesus corrects the Exodus story, and our liberating Jesus remixes the Exodus story and expands its message into the gospel of liberation. At the start of the public ministry of the Christ, Jesus proclaims, as we find recorded in the Gospel of Luke, he proclaims that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Most High has anointed me to bring good news to those who are poor, to proclaim release to those held captive, to cast visions to those who want to see God's new thing, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the liberator's favor. Yes, Jesus offers a, a bolder vision of liberation than the one known to Moses. The gospel of Jesus, it goes farther down that, that pathway towards freedom than the book of Exodus. The brown, poor, Palestinian Jewish man named Jesus, a simple carpenter and frontline worker who lived and occupied in and colonized territory, he radically reimagines a different reality, a different future for humanity. 
Jesus re-narrates the Exodus story then from within the tradition to which he belongs in a way that is not just for some people, but rather for all people. The insurrectionist Jesus leads a revolution against his own tradition from within his own tradition, helping it to live up to its best self. And in so doing, as it is written in the Exodus story, Jesus reminds us that neither the pillar of cloud nor the pillar of fire has left its place in front of the people. Yes, that's good news, beloved, that the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night has not left us, that, that God is still guiding us through that great cloud of witnesses, uh, through the ancestors who still speak to us, through the power of Pentecost fire, that, that God is still leading us and that the enduring presence of the liberating God still goes before us, still goes before us and it speaks to us and transforms us if we are willing to be changed by it. If we're open to the spirit of the God who is still moving in our midst, if we are, are willing to, to hear those, those words that, that God loves us into freedom and God's story is a story of liberation. You see, although the Bible has been used to do much harm, Jesus, who is the living word of God, still saves us and redeems us even when the written word of God, the Bible, does not go all the way. Jesus is the liberating key that unlocks so much possibility and potential to imagine the new world that we are co-creating as we listen to the voice of the still speaking God. Still speaking God who shows us the way to life abundant. Still speaking God who shows up in the presence of Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one, who says to us, come, come to me all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, come to me. Jesus, that one who spoke directly and saw those deemed outcasts, and called misfits and said, come to me and forms church and community. Jesus, the one who spent time with marginalized and, and pulled them out from the edges and created a new center. Jesus, the one who loves you and me. Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me so. And when we read the Bible deeply, we see just how deep that love is. Yes, misreading the Bible uncritically can do damage. But reading the sacred text with a fresh set of eyes empowers us to do the freedom work of unconditional love, compassionate service, and intersectional justice. 
And in doing that work, we reject the false narratives that the Bible said it, I believe it, that settles it. So yes, beloved, I invite us to read the Bible as a work in progress, collection of stories that continues to perfect that divine promise of liberation. And when we see the colonized nature of the biblical promised land, we might then make our way towards a new one, to a place where the pillar of cloud and of fire lead us. And then our Christian journey might become less about movement towards promised land as physical space and occupied territory, and more as a journey toward a place where we see and feel and imagine differently. This as readers of the text of the Bible and as participants in the living, moving, breathing story that is still being written, we are invited into the life of Jesus, who is the living word of God. And as we are invited in, we retain constructive and helpful symbols, and we reject destructive and unhelpful ones. We are called towards that place by a God who loves us into freedom and who gave us Jesus, who is our way and our truth and our life. That's freedom. That's independence. Yes, that's liberation. Praise be to God. Amen.